This is Pete Moore on Halo Talk. So I want to welcome back a good friend of the square, Matthew Richter, the Tiagi Group, going to give us a little bit of uh, insight into what's going on in the rest of the world so we can take some of those best practices and infuse them into the Halo sector. Matthew, it is great to see you again. I am so happy to be back on the cast. Thanks for having me back, Pete. You got You're probably one of the only people that got a second rotation, so I wouldn't take this lightly if I were you. The check is in the mail. I'll, I'll make sure it clears this time. Last time I sent you three T-shirts customized with your face on it after the podcast, so let's not uh, make anything except a home run podcast out of this so I can send you more gifts. Hey, gifts are always welcome. Awesome. So why don't you give your background or refresh the background here for our audience here, and we'll link to the first podcast and make this kind of like the sequel, if you will. Yeah. Um, but talk about like what's going on in your world you, know, you guys have always been on on the virtual online side and also the the land-based you know education so i'd love to hear what you guys are doing and how you're utilizing yeah. technology and where you think this could evolve in and make us best in class so the tiagi group focuses on learning learning and development so we work with companies we work with universities we work with uh, schools not-for-profit to design develop and deliver learning interventions so if, if it's if there's an issue where you need people to learn something, where you're, you're the folks to call. Now to have gotten to that point, I've spent years and years working inside companies, uh, doing lots and lots of academic work uh, to figure out the best practices, things that actually work but are research aligned, so that we know that there's some rigor behind them, and uh, so we design learning. And there's lots of ways in which that connects to the health industry. Yeah, I mean, um, more and more, yeah, I just wrote this article that I know you read about, you know, the death of the bricks and mortar, but a lot of this is a relationship-based business and personal coaching and and motivation. So how do you see some of the things that you're doing right now with the virtual, you know, and expanding the Tiagi groups learning that we should be using? Well, for one thing, uh, there's only one way in which I'm grateful for the pandemic. And that's that we were able to share and demonstrate that live online can be as effective as in person. And so that's been particularly true with learning. That doesn't mean bad, crappy learning online Mm -hmm. isn't going to be bad and crappy. What it means is if things were done and designed well, you get the same level of effectiveness, if not even a bit better. And so we are actually seeing more and more studies that support that. Now, what's that mean to the, the, to the fitness industry? Well, it means that we are able to co-opt some of these methodologies that we're using in learning environments and apply them. So what excites me about that is I can take some of these methods and forget whether we're in person or online and design from scratch ways in which people can interact with each other. So it might be having uh, people doing a whole series of different uh, workouts together, but from the the space of their own Mm -hmm. home, it could be uh, after workout networking events. It could be also all sorts of things, but we can take what we're learning in the learning environment and we can probably transfer quite a bit of it into the fitness industry. And by the way, I love your article. I love your article. Here's the one area I disagreed with. It's not that anyone, I'm not arguing that the brick and mortar is going to go away. I think it's not going to go away. What I think is we're going to see the industry transform 
into better and more innovative ways. And so, yeah, I think fewer people are going to be there in 2022 because we're going to have better ways for people to engage in addition to going there. Yeah, I mean, so it, it is an interesting point, and I appreciate the commentary there, and I do not disagree with it. You know, one of the, one company we're working with right now is trying to basically say you're a member of a specific bricks and mortar location, yeah. and I think they're forgetting the fact that you're a member. I have a relationship. My brand and my company has a relationship with you as a member, but that is not attached. It's like a legacy attachment for like sales quotas and like usage, but it's really, you need to think about you're, you're a member of my company. You're a member of my brand. You happen to potentially use this location. And I feel like one of the things that some of the groups could learn is to say, you become a member of my, my club chain I want you to work out wherever you want to work out. Like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put up a barrier to you not getting a passport membership or not being able to use it. Cause I want you to use, I want you to interact with me wherever it's convenient. That could be on your phone. That could be on your tablet. Yeah. That could be in one of my clubs. Like don't upsell me more usage. Like that should be a given. Like I want you to go wherever I am. I want you to be there. So I, I appreciate your commentary. But here, here's the cool thing. You, you mentioned a passport, but now we can literally leverage the passport because it's a global environment now. If I right, belong to, right. I'm going to just say Golds because it's the only name I know, right? Sorry. But if I belong no, to Golds, I can go to any class they offer around the world from the, right. from the comfort of my own home. I don't have to adhere to a schedule. If there's a yoga class I want to go to or a Pilates class I want to go to, I can go to the class that's in Switzerland because it fits my time. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we, we've talked about like the hybridization and digitization mm-hmm. and using the, you know, we were, we were trying to buy Gold's Gym with a, with a group. An idea was to run basically like a 24 seven global, you know, group exercise schedule that basically hopped every time zone. Yeah, that would be um, but, so we cool. win, but we didn't win, dude. So I'm not thinking about it anymore. It's because you didn't no. bring me in to help you frame the idea properly. I don't know if it was sales and marketing or just like we weren't the winning bidder, but I do appreciate <laughs> the fact that that you add value to everything that you touch. So <laughs> so what are you seeing on maybe a question would be you're doing a lot of virtual events right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to have a hybrid of the two. What is positively um, struck you and said like, wow, like I'm actually, you know, people are engaging in this because I've teed it up in a certain way or like they're setting up their own, you know, study groups in addition to to what I'm using. What, 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 what's kind of struck you is like some aha moments. So there are some stereotypes that people, people think about, right? For one, people don't focus as well online. Uh, there's this belief that people either multitask or they are doing email when they should be doing something else. And this just isn't turning out to be true if what they're doing is interesting and engaging. So again, it goes back to that crux. If you design well, people are, are attentive and they participate. So we're seeing that focus goes way up. And when that happens, you see performance go up. So you see people work harder. Now, how do I know that's true? Well, again, there's a bunch of studies, but anecdotally, I see it as well. We ran a 300-person conference that was global. We had people from six continents. Mm. And what happened was we over six weeks, 60 workshops, we would have the attendees in uh, going through a whole series of structured activities where no one tuned out. 
The feedback was phenomenal. We'd send them off to go do stuff offline. They would do it. How do we know that? Because they'd have to do check-ins. And so there are all sorts of ways in which we the design to help foster the focal areas. Now, do you make friends and have great social interactions? Well, yes, you do. And not only do you, but it's different than the kind of interactions I'd have if we were at the carrot juice bar in a health club. They're different. So you can't expect them to be the same. But what we found is at the end of the summer, people were not only socializing, they were getting together on their own every few days. And to this, we've, we've created an entire organization around the social aspect of what came out of that conference this fall. My wife is living now in upstate New York. She's been taking three days a week classes at the Broadway Dance League. I forget what it's called. Broadway Dance something. And she's made some of the best friends she's ever had in her life through this because they talk before, they talk after, but then they get together and do stuff together online. It's incredible, but it's different. And if you expect it to be the same, it's not. And so you got to change your mindset. And that's why I'm so excited about the opportunities for the health industry. It's going to blow up Mm -hmm. into really cool things. things. One of the things I've been thinking about, but it hasn't really been deployed yet, is if you think of a health club as the authority, and a lot of these guys and, and gals who own these health clubs in small towns, you know, they're, they're the authority on everything related to exercise, fitness, and nutrition. They just they, they have that de facto, you know, brand promise. You know, what I haven't seen is I haven't seen any health club say, "Hey, get on my digital. You can do a twenty-minute, thirty-minute." group exercise class. You can do a strength training class. And also I'm doing like a 30 minute lecture on nutrition. I'm doing a 30 minute lecture on like exercise physiology. Um, I'm doing actually, I'm doing like a talk on workout recovery. I feel like the health club industry, somebody said this to me the other day and it kind of got me excited about our conversation besides the obvious reasons why I want to talk to you. Right. That's obvious. But they said, hey, these clubs are actually like education vehicles yeah. and they're not acting like it because they, they're stuck in their well, and mortal. I'm going I'm to disagree just in a small way with you because right. I agree with the concept. But there are tons of mom and pops now who are popping up doing just that. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'll use my wife as an example. She just signed up for this um, program in France. Again, she's taking it from here in New York, so it's working beautifully, right? They uh, share videos, diet plans, recipes. They have workouts four days a week, and at different times, they have yoga, Pilates, all sorts of things. The three women who are running this thing are incredible, and they've put together an entire package with push-out um, uh, Dave, our friend David can tell us what they are, but some kind of messaging thing, an SMS type thing, something way above my head in pay grade uh, that that tells them when to do things. They're tracking different weight loss things that I don't know. It's incredible. And it's all digital. And this cohort, they've become so close. They just signed up again for another six months. And all of them signed up again. So there was no uh, loss in, in people participating. And that to me is the wave of the future. And if, if companies like Gold can figure out how to build that kind of uh, textured, layered engagement, then not only are they going to thrive, they're going to exceed profit margins. 
do you need somebody outside the industry to come inside the industry to like educate them on what's going on? Or yeah. do you think that somebody internally could, could like help kind of turn the ship? Yeah, I do because um, uh, how, how, how uh, fluent are you on all the features of Zoom and how you can engage people? How fluent are you on using Teams or GoTo? Go and do you yeah, have instructions? Everyone's on like, kind of like a two point. Yeah, everyone's like at probably yeah. three out of 10. Exactly. Like utilization. Yeah, but you need the nine out of 10 on utilization to come up with right. a, that new product that people are going to find useful. Because you don't want to build a right. product that people are going to join and not do. You want a product that people are going to thrive in. Yeah. So you know, going back to the learning side, is there a, uh, a certain amount of time that you feel like there's an engagement of, you know, the maximum seminar you've done is two hours or like I cut it into 30, 30 minute blocks. Like what are some of the best, the, the things that you've seen that, that works the best on Zoom? Well, tomorrow I'm running a nine hour workshop. Okay. And i um, working with a client in the UK where we're doing four days. And so you focus on the learning objectives. Now, if we're talking about fitness, how long can my heart last would probably be a good determining factor on duration. So if I'm going to drop dead after 10 minutes, maybe you want to do a 10 minute program, right? Right. So it's really about what your objective is. It's about some of the logistics you have. Um, if your objective is to have touch points where people throughout the day do little mini workouts, then you're going to keep them short. If you're doing a nutrition thing, maybe an hour. Um, but it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Most of the fitness programs I've seen are, be, are between 45 minutes and 75 minutes. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, but you really got to focus on what your goal is. So when you take, I'm kind of jumping around here a little, but, you know, I was talking to a group the other day, um, who I know spends a lot of money on trade shows historically. Mm -hmm. you now they get a 55 by 50 booth. They throw a huge yep. cocktail party. They take all their clients out to steak dinners. I said to the guy, I'm like, you have an opportunity right now when people are looking for information and education and guidance, take that entire budget and put it towards education and, you know, mm -hmm. get 20 of your best clients. I'm like, I'm coming to the Halo Academy just because to toot our own horn right now because I don't have any sponsors. So I might as well self-sponsor myself. That's even a term. So on the Halo Academy, like you take five classes, two weeks, you know, you learn the ins and outs of the industry and it's a far better return on investment than, you know, steak dinners and a couple of bottles of wine. And that's not coming back anytime soon. And I feel like these guys need to say, Hey, my marketing budget is actually my education budget. And if I educate these club owners on survival skills, then I'm actually going to have an account that I could sell to. So what I love about that, else gone. I love that Pete. And what makes that so good is there was no return on their buck for this before the pandemic. This was a waste of time and money before. I mean, they might be able to get maybe a four or 5% right. return on it. So that, that was stupid then, but it was hard to make that argument today. We actually can AB it mm -hmm. and we could say, look, by the way, shameless plug. I think the halo Academy is one of the best health oriented academies out there and everyone should go. And as a result of that, uh, you will find that your bang for your buck will be at least 10 to 15% higher than what it was in your, your original marketing because education yeah. is sticky. Good education is sticky. 
What do you think happens to companies that are, you know, kind of tiptoe into, you know, virtual training and tiptoe into suck. new technologies? Do you think that they the suck. pace right now of no, change is to the point where it you, pisses you know, me you, off? You're kind of done, right? No, it pisses me off because you get all these people who said, I I can't, this yeah. is not going to work. It's not going to work. Then a pandemic hits, hey, we're experts, but they don't invest in learning how to do it properly. And so they're either going to go out of business or they're going to yeah. become snake oil salesmen. And so I, I can't yeah. stand it. I can't stand it. This is, a, again, not to uh, toot your horn, although I'm honored to do so. You spend a lot of time researching how to do the academy. And you spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the best content was, the best approach, the best methodology. Not many do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love what you've done with the Academy. Cool. Thanks, bro. Um, so when you look at, at companies, you know, we, we take a sample set inside the health club and fitness industry and vendors and in our ecosystem, you know, you onboard a new front sales desk person or a membership person, they might go through like a 20 minute online, um, you know, quiz or like, here's kind of like fast track of how you answer certain questions. You know, what happens with some of the companies that you're talking to or that the team is engaged by an, an analogy I made the other day and Dave and I are writing this book, you know, like if you're running a company, you got to think about like you're the head coach of a professional team. And like, you don't know if like in a professional sports team, like, you know, if, if there's a guy who's got like a, you know, his bad ankle, if he's got a broken hand, you know, if he's got, you know, some hamstring issues, like you're the head coach, like you get like an injury report. Right. And you don't, most of these CEOs don't know anything yeah. about their employees. So how how frequent should people be doing education like i feel like sometimes people do it and say like hey we're doing a one month you know we're doing an hour you know university it's like you're doing it that's like saying like an nfl team like we're gonna practice for an hour this week and then like you do your own self-study and then show up on sunday morning to play it's a, it's, it's mind-boggling well you're raising people like players you're raising a lot of different issues so pick, pick, just pick one well, I'm going to pick, pick them all. Up. I'm going to, I'm going to hit them, them all, all, bro. I'm going to do them all because they're yeah. all in. So the the first problem you're, you're raising is, is it's not a question of how much education it's what education it's what. Right. Learning. So if you have a business problem, you first have to determine whether the business problem is solved by policy changes. If it's a resource gap, if it's um, uh, inappropriate goals mm-hmm. uh, or if it's a training problem. Maybe it's a learning problem. And so you have to do an assessment to determine what the problem is and what's going to solve it. Learning is not the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. N- number two, I don't tend to in corporations do learning unless it's to solve a problem because we're not running a charity where we're trying to enhance people's overall well-being. Certainly that's a good thing, but it's not the goal of most companies to do that. So it costs money. So we have to be careful about just doing it for the sake of doing it. There has to be a reason. And and if participants don't see a reason, they tend not to participate as fully anyway. And then the most important point that you raise is we have to be careful of causality versus correlation. What I mean by that is there are a lot of times we think one thing causes another thing. Like if if only uh, we, we were able to 
get people to come to the gym more frequently, they would socialize more and, and develop better relationships. Well, is that due to the fact that they're coming to the gym or is it just related to the fact that they happen to be more outgoing and social and would have done that anywhere? We don't really necessarily know that. So if we're going to solve a problem, we better make sure that what we're solving is truly a cause and not just something that's related due to some other hidden issue. Uh, we have to be careful of that. And a lot of problems get solved in error um, by focusing on the correlation rather than the cause. And I think a lot of gyms are doing that right now. Interesting. A lot of yeah. gyms are doing that. So wait, what, what, yeah, well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, when you go to a really high-end hotel, you know, you, you know that I walked into a Fairmont the other day because I was touring a spa and I asked where the restroom was. And instead of a guy just pointing, like he was conditioned and wired to like walk me there. Yeah. And no matter what else he had to do, like he walked me there, right? Make sure I got out there. And also, like, as he's walking, I didn't tip him. But as I'm walking there, he's points out the new coffee shop and he points out like, hey, you know, we're doing this renovation. So he was trying to engage with me. And then I was in a, a high-end department store um, the other day because I had to get some for Yomo. And, uh, you know, the guy wanted to have a conversation with me. You know, he's like, where are you from? And, you know, he's, so how do you teach, how do you teach like good judgment? How do you teach engagement? Because it's not really like a chapter of yeah. like, hey, read this and like change your attitude. Or, you know, how, how do you kind of think about training people to be present, training people to have good judgment, to listen properly and diagnose the issue? Is that well, something that you guys do? As yeah, like, ab absolutely. They're absolutely. And there's a whole science behind it. Yeah. And so there's a bit of knowledge on, on how do you diagnose a situation? What cues do you look for? And, and that's information that people can learn and internalize. And I can test for that using scenarios and have people identify what they are, but then uh, you get more complex. We have to teach people how to make decisions, right? So you've learned the information. Now, how do you recognize you're in a situation and make a decision about that? And we teach that not only through simulations, uh, role plays, um, but we uh, are able to put that back into the workflow. So we take it out of the classroom and we can evaluate it, test it, and even teach it more so in the workflow, on the job training. Mm -hmm. And then how do we take that decision-making and lead it to adding value back to the organization, to the customer, to the client, right? Because just because I can make a good decision doesn't mean I've seen the big picture and applying strategy to what we're doing. So there are different levels of learning and we need to be good at identifying where those should be taught, how they should be taught. And again, that's why you want to hire people who are good at doing that. Yeah. Like so just yeah, exactly. So, you know, last question here. Um, you know, a lot of people hire front desk workers, you yeah. know, and maybe, and, and then when you think about it, whoever you hire at the front desk is basically like the first impression. I don't remember what that was, head and shoulders or something, shampoo, like you can never change. I don't have hair. I, I don't know what that is. I don't have it hair. It used to be the shampoo. No, it's still around. Maybe it's per plus. I don't know. But anyway, like you can't like redo a first impression, right? So my question, you know, in one of the clubs that I'm working with right now, that we're working with right now, 
they're basically saying like my general manager is going to be at the front desk and that yeah. person gets paid, you know, on a salary and, and gets paid well. But instead of them being in the back, like I actually want them in the front because I've got to, this club chain happened to have gone through a bankruptcy. Some of their locations closed. Like I need an adult who knows what happened and that can look somebody in the eye and say, almost like a, like a corporate apology. And then like, Hey, this is what we're going to do for you after this. So I wonder if like in anything you've come across or people you work with say like, you know, you have like the wrong people and you have the, you have the right people, but they're all in the wrong positions, you know? Yeah. So this, this is not a, this isn't a training problem initially. This is a consulting problem or it's a, it's, it's consultative in nature, right? We yes. need to do an assessment of, all right, are, is this person appropriate for this role? Uh, what about over here? Do we have all the right roles even uh, in place? Is it about the people or is it about the reinforcements? It, uh, is our environment actually reinforcing the behaviors we want? And yeah. that's a different problem, right? Um, then you can talk about whether it's a training issue. Now, most things I can train. If it's a skill, I can train it. If it's about how to make good or better decisions, I can train that. But what I can't train is how to overcome stupid policy. Mm-hmm. And if you have an idiot making policy uh, policies or setting goals that are uh, in conflict with other goals, then no training is going to help solve that problem. Yeah, well, well thankfully there'll be an inauguration coming up here soon, either post or or pre or post this podcast. So hopefully I'll have better policies and better leadership and delivery of those policies. Hey, I'm not a religious guy, but amen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't even think you need to be partisan or non-partisan. You just have to stick with the plan of what this, what they're trying to do with this country, which seems to be pretty bulletproof so far. Um, well, hey man, look, it was great to reconnect with you. You and too. look forward to seeing you in person and we'll, uh, we will tap your knowledge, but I think people need to, uh, Really think about focusing on education, being strategic about it, reaching out to you if they need somebody to really help them kind of put all the pieces together. Hey, um, can I make an offer? Yeah, please. So anyone who listens to this podcast who references Pete, I will happily spend a half an hour on helping you come up with a plan. Just give me a call or shoot me an email. Any friend of Pete's is a friend of mine. All right. Well, the square expands one by one. Mr. Rector, good to see you again and pleasure. God bless to our friend Michael Pesco on his new uh, on his new marriage. So we'll yes, keep I'm him, so happy to hear that. We'll keep and him in. I'm so happy you called it our friend. So. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's chain chain. Wolf. So. All right, but we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All for, right, uh, thanks, being man. On the show. All right, uh, always it. a pleasure. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.